0: Welcome to ISA's Arbor Reviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Philip Van Wassener, your host on this episode of Arbor Reviews. I'm joined now by Dr. Bert Craig. Bert is an associate professor and extension specialist in the Department of Horticulture and the Department of Forestry at Michigan State University. He conducts research and extension programs on the management and physiology of trees and landscapes, nurseries and Christmas tree production. Today we'll be talking about conifers for urban and community forests. So hello Bert, welcome to Toronto and thanks for coming for the interview. Thank you, nice to be here. So we understand that you do a lot of work with uh, conifers and I'm wondering what kind of, um, what would you see as the benefits of having conifers in uh, in urban and community forests? Yeah, There's lots of
1: benefits that conifers can add to
0: urban and community forests.
1: Certainly all of the things that we typically associate with deciduous trees, uh, stormwater retention, cooling buildings, screening unsightly views, all of these things, conifers can contribute as well. But one of the things that conifers can do is that, since most of them are evergreen, they can contribute these benefits all throughout the year. So I think that's really a big thing that, that uh, conifers can add to our uh, urban and community forests. And so that's one of the reasons why we're excited about trying to help to broaden the diversity of, of uh, trees in our, in our landscapes by adding conifers as well as you know deciduous trees that
0: we typically think of as, as street trees. Sure, and they also hold their uh, foliage all year round, so they're green all the time. Which Absolutely. Is a, another added bonus. And
1: as an aesthetic thing, that's that's huge because in many of our areas, of course, you're looking at Uh, gray buildings, gray roadways, and when deciduous trees have dropped all their leaves, we still have evergreen conifers, some maybe blue, other colors as well, and so it adds that visual appeal. Uh, Some conifers have interesting bark
0: characteristics, uh, lots of things that they can add as well. So you just started to mention some of those different characteristics. Is there any that you think would be the ones that attract people the most about conifers from your experience?
1: Yeah, there are several things I think that that draw people into conifers. A couple of them. One is form. So when we talk about conifers, we usually talk about different uh, form classes of conifers. For example, we can have narrow upright conifers. Those are often useful for uh, screening elements. So if you have, oh maybe a a dumpster or some kind of, you know, a, a power substation, some kind of thing that you want to screen off from the rest of your park or whatever it is, then these narrow upright conifers are, are well suited for what, that. What would some of those be, like
0: um, species? Oh, for? so
1: arborvitae are common. Um, we're looking more at some of the spruces, upright spruces, like uh, Serbian spruce, Picea omorica mm-hmm. uh, we talk about. So those are, those are very useful for those kind of, of screening elements. Um, also things that tend to draw people to conifers is their their form, uh, also the symmetry so many of our conifers things like firs, that tend to have sort of the sort of Christmas tree habit or, or symmetry to them you know that's one of our design elements people like symmetry sort of catches our eye naturally. Lots of colors um, there's always been this affinity for blue and we know that we have issues with blue spruce in many parts of the country now uh, overplanted oftentimes in in more humid parts of the country uh... we're having a lot of disease issues Certainly in michigan and surrounding areas we're seeing a lot of decline in blue spruce despite all of that and we've known some of this for some time people still love blue spruce so there is that affinity for the blue we're trying to steer them towards things like um con color fur, avies con color mm-hmm. uh... there are many selections of that that are as blue as any blue spruce we seem to see fewer pest issues with that one right now so You know, that color issue uh, certainly brings people in, that color uh, habit. Also, um, other things, you know, yellows. We have many conifers that are yellow that that people like and add contrast to the landscape. Certainly things related to uh, form and texture weeping conifers. You have all these things out there that add these diverse elements. Uh, Some are going to be suitable for maybe street trees, Others are more park kind of conditions, but at least it, it gets that greater variety into the landscape.
0: So, it seems like a lot of uh, what you're speaking to may be more aesthetic or sort of landscape architecture qualities rather than the the biological ones.
1: Well, it's all in there. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about urban and community forest, there's lots of elements to it. There is sort of the traditional view of of street trees and things like this. But a lot of our urban and community foresters, they're managing parks, they're managing cemeteries, you know, they're managing all these different locations. And so, when we think about what's out there and a lot of talk at this conference about uh, diversity and how do we improve that you know we need to look at at the totality of the urban forest so street trees are part of it and, and in some cases uh, conifers can be suited for street trees but a lot of times what we're talking about here might be more of the the park the cemetery setting uh, some other area where we have a more space and then we can get into some of these you know design elements and how can we uh, bring this in. And even in street trees, I've seen some cities that are using these creatively. Um, there are things we have to be concerned with, things like sight lines. So if you have conifers that tend to be limbed all the way to the ground, okay, there there are restrictions. You have to have open sight lines. And so uh, there are uh, communities that are using street, uh, conifers as street trees and then we'll have to you know, prune them up a certain up. level and then they work they work fine and you know they still can contribute you know those benefits
0: cooling all the things that that trees do in communities. Well i really like the way you're you're sort of cut framing the discussion that that uh, the urban forest is more than street trees because there is uh, this is something which i am very aware of and talk about but there is tends to be a, a conception that urban forestry is about street trees and and the urban forest is all of it so these are important things to consider. Um, So is there any particular conifers that you might say you found to be better or best for urban community forestry or maybe some that aren't?
1: Yeah, well, certainly some some things to be thinking about and it's not too different than some of the things we think about when we talk about a lot of our deciduous tree, street tree selection. We know from a lot of past work that oftentimes things that are adapted, for example, to bottomlands Mm -hmm. actually tend to do well as urban trees because they can handle poor aeration, compacted soils, poor drainage, a lot of the stresses we end up facing in in urban conditions. So some of the things we find, uh, things like uh, bald cypress, Mm -hmm. uh, dawn redwood, both of which have to be deciduous conifers, but in fact have shown to be very uh, urban tolerant, Bald cypress, in particular, can handle drought, even though it's a bottomland species, is actually very drought-hardy, can handle salt, can handle, uh, obviously, wet areas. And so those are the kind of things that, that, we're, that we're looking at. And a lot of, as we're seeing with uh, deciduous street trees, um, we want to keep a, a broad palette. So those, those are a couple, but, you know, s- there's still uh, things like uh, Korean pine, Pinus coreensis, I tell people it's sort of like, it's, it's the tough cousin of, uh, of uh, Eastern white pine, so strobus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks very similar to five needle pine, uh, slower growing, but a, a tough, tough tree. And so those are the kind of things we want to be looking for is diversifying what's already out there and, and building on, on those things that, that we can plant.
0: Well, that's really interesting you should mention that species because you know, we're not too far from each other. I'm from around here. And one of the things we've been observing is that our native white pines really seem to be declining. They're not handling the change from a, from a more rural environment to a very urban environment. So having some tolerant trees that mimic the aesthetic of it, that's really good, good things to know. So, do you have any particular criteria that you might suggest we use when we're trying to select a conifer for a particular location?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's very similar to the kinds of things that we think about with all types of, of tree selection. First of all, we need to understand the site. Um, we always want to, you know, right tree, right place. It's such a simple concept, and yet we we have a hard time we have a hard time getting it getting it into place. Um, there seems to be this, this longing for what you can't have. I don't know, it's, it's like, you know, relationships in high school and so forth. You know, you always want what you can't have, but, um, you know, so I think people need to have a, a, really have a thorough assessment of their site, pay attention. Many conifers, not all, but many conifers will prefer acidic soils, okay, that, that's, that's true. So you need, to, you need to be aware of that. Um, there are some, though, that can handle more alkaline conditions, so it's things like the bald cypress that we've already mentioned. But if you have, you know, the lower pH and can get away with it, then you have a very broad pallet available. So look at the, the typical screening criteria. First thing is understanding site. Soil pH is huge. Uh, drainage is always going to be important. Um, shade or sun. Um, the palette is somewhat limited when we come to shade conifers, and a lot of this depends on where in the country you are. For example, we know that hemlocks Are great conifers for shade. If you're in Michigan, if you're in the western US, we have eastern hemlock for us. They can grow that in many parts of the west, Pacific Northwest. They also have their native western hemlock. From the Appalachians on down, we've got a huge problem with hemlock woolly adelgid. And so the the hemlocks are basically off off the table there. Uh, We talked today about uh, different conifers for different uh, parts of the country and uh on our, on our good list, we had uh, eastern hemlock. If you're in the northern U.S., if you're in the southern U.S., we had eastern hemlock on the bad list. And it's just that delineation of where the hemlock woolly adelgid is because it's just, uh, you know, makes it unsustainable to try to grow it, those.
0: Just on that note, because um, that's a little bit of a new new um, sort of delineation for me, um, is, are we finding that the, the woolly adelgid is – less prevalent in the northern hemlock population?
1: Right. So it the if you look at the, the current range maps for hemlock willy adelgid, basically it's cutting a swath from the southern Appalachia starting about northern Georgia upward, kind of on a, a northeastern diagonal. And it's up into, I think, bits of Ohio and Pennsylvania. But if you go further north and west, to date it's not it's not reached there. We have had isolated finds in Michigan, nursery stock, that kind of thing, but those have been eradicated. So to to date we're not infested with hemlock woolly adelgid, and we hope we never are, but yeah. um, you know it's the, it's the nature of, of everything these days with our uh, exotic pests. Um, we try to be vigilant, you know, local departments of ag, all these people are, are trying to keep these things at bay, but uh, you know plants move around plant, uh, pests can hitchhike it's it's an ongoing thing and, and you know almost any recommendation we make uh, you know 5 years from now we're going to look back and say well you know we made it based on the best available information at the time but we can't foresee all these things that are that are
0: knocking on our door absolutely but i think you re- you re- alluded earlier to a lot of discussion around diversity and i think that that's you know what we're talking about today looking at different ones looking at more uh, varieties around the landscape so that we're not as vulnerable to these to these pest infestations. Um, do you, have you found through your work that there's significant differences between conifers and deciduous trees in terms of their tolerance to you know the urban stress?
1: Well, you know you're you're talking about two pretty large groups of plants and so there's going to be, uh, certainly, variation within within each of those. But any generalizations uh, yeah, you might be able yeah. to make. Yeah, And I, I I do think you know our our initial thought as soon as someone mentions you know urban trees, I think almost everybody you know envisions a maple or something you know maybe an oak or something like that. That's that's kind of our our traditional vision of of what an urban tree is and a street tree. As we said, is kind of what we typically think. But again, getting back to this point that you know there's lot lots more to the urban forest and the urban community forest than just street trees. And so I think when we look at it that, that broad of view, then certainly there are lots of, lots of things that, uh, that conifers can do there just as well as, or maybe even better than, a lot of our deciduous trees. And I think the, the big thing that they bring, and as we try to you know, be more broad-minded about this, is that notion of, of additional diversity and it's a whole new realm for many people uh, in terms of what might be out there and uh, there's lots of... Uh, if you've, and it's hard to, to talk about this when we're talking to a, a national or international audience because so many of these things are going to be specific to certain parts of the country so when you try to recommend individual species or things like that I mean not mm, apply it for absolutely. everybody but certainly people can get involved American Conifer Society has chapters all over the country if you want to talk to people about conifers in your area that's a good way to do it um, But you know, when we think about these, you know, I think the biggest thing we, we face, challenge we face with urban community forestry, at least you know, along the lines of biology, there's there's all kinds of social and political and economic and other issues, but certainly on the point of biology, is probably this, this exotic pest issue. I think it's really the thing when you look at emerald ash borer, hemlock woolly adelgid, all of these things, it's, it's really the one thing that really keeps hammering us down. and. The really only solution we have at this point is diversity, is not getting wrapped up in having uh, 10% of our trees in maple or having 10% of our trees in blue spruce. We saw a talk today where they showed, you know, there are some pretty heavy numbers in spruce in some communities, um, even if it's a conifer, it's still not a good thing. You know, we want to make sure that we keep those uh, numbers of, of any one species you know, in line and look at trying to keep it diverse and and kind of are certainly one way to do that.
0: I was just thinking while you were talking, I was thinking, well, you know, we keep having these introduced pests. Maybe what we need to do as a response is immediately go to the place where they come from and start bringing the trees that are already uh, resistant to them. And and so the problem is the pest in an unlimited environment, but maybe we can learn from the environment that they came from and bring trees that that they're not going to be attacking and and there's some of that we certainly see with
1: um, hemlock woolly adelgid uh, there is some work looking at some of the Asian hemlocks uh, certainly with emerald ash borer that was done is being done where people are uh, looking at doing some breeding work I think at the, I want to say it's in Ohio I think with, with USDA APHIS they're actually doing some work on trying to do um, breeding work with making crosses with the Asian ashes with you know some of our North American ashes and try to get the resistance from the Asian uh, in with ours and it's but it's just an ongoing Such it's an ongoing thing process. and and we have this you know this this sort of global economy now where, where everything's going to keep moving around and you know there's these pests are so opportunistic you know emerald ash borer we assume you know was it was a stowaway somehow on packing material um, what kind of inspection does it take to detect those kind of things when you look at the the thousands and thousands of ships coming in and out of the country, and air, air freight and all that. So, diversity is our is our is our watchword. I think we're hoping to uh, increase that through our conifer work, and uh, hopefully we can continue to have healthy forests through that.
0: Well, I have one other question, which is, it's a little off uh, what we've been talking about, but it's related. and And I do a lot of work with risk assessment, and so. Um, a lot of people say, you know, conifers in an urban setting are maybe uh, more of a, a risk because they tend to, you know, get tall and then, and then um, throw. So do you have any insight onto a species for an urban setting that may be less susceptible, maybe have deeper root systems, for example?
1: Well, I think I think part of that is um, not off the top of my head. <laughs> what I would say is what we need to think about is, first of all, selecting trees, if that's an issue then let's select conifers. We have uh, if you look uh, information from the American Conifer Society, we actually rank conifers based on growth rate. They have uh, four growth categories including intermediate conifers which only grow about six inches to a foot a year Then we have the large conifers which of course can get as as tall as as they can get. So maybe thinking about which conifers we're selecting for those sites to begin with. Also a lot of wind throw problems can be Uh, precipitated through development. So we have a stand of of conifers, a stand of trees that have been, you know, grown in a forest setting and then we have development along the edges or right through the middle or, you know, we want to leave a few isolated trees. Well, people need to understand the wind firmness of those trees are going to be different than had they been grown and developed in in an open setting. So I think that's that's part of some of the things we have to think about too. Is is you know the overall management of these trees? Um, I think is probably more more important maybe than any particular species being better better suited for wind firmness than another.
0: Well, great, Bert. I think this has been a really interesting discussion, and I'm sure that our listeners will be uh, taking home some good messages. So thank you very much for coming to the interview today. Thank you.